Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to A Word with Tom Merritt. I am Tom Merritt. There are no end of people out there telling you what to think. Uh, some of them worth listening to. But as I say on the show all the time, there's no chance for all of us to be experts in everything. We have to take shortcuts. So here we have a conversation and hopefully expose not what you should think, but some examples of how we all think. These kinds of conversations are my favorite. Uh, growing up, I would sit in the front room of my grandpa Carl's house, talk about the news of the day. I'd go over to my grandma Roxy's front room, and we'd talk about the stories of her life. And I got so many different ways of looking at the world. Great conversations. And it was all training me for this moment right now. Welcome to the front room, Howard Mordman. Thank you so much. Boy, you, you, I, I can't wait to get going with you. You've said so much great greatness in that intro there, so I'm just going to pause and just take your lead, but thank you so much for uh, having me on, including me in this conversation. Oh, Howard, uh, thank you for doing this. Uh, I, I I came to know Howard uh, through Justin Robert Young's Politics, Politics, Politics podcast, uh, where he was nice enough to be a guest there as well. Uh, you're the C-SPAN communications director, right? That's That's your day job. That's correct. Yeah, uh, communication director for C-SPAN. Yes, and and uh, you've got a book. You're an author as well. Oh gosh, <laughs> thank you. I, but I, I'm, I'm so I'm gonna I want to completely disrupt things and throw a bomb in the air because sure, I sure. love I love the way you began by saying so many people are telling you what to think, and I'm gonna I want to just rip up the script right now. And I appreciate we'll mention the book and the podcast and all that in a second. But that is the core. That's the essence of C-SPAN and what we do. We do not tell you what to think. We we trust you to think for yourself, um, and uh, we we show video, live event video um, of politics and government, and we get out of the way. We don't shape it for you. We don't shape the narrative. We don't we don't textualize things for you. We just show you the raw video uh, and audio of uh, politicians talking. So, so when you open up, and I love that you open up saying that you know how do you think? Well, you know we say think for yourself. We're not going to tell you how to think. So that's the that's the core. That's the essence of all of our mission at C-SPAN. Yeah, and I, I feel like C-SPAN is is an important building block. Even if everyone doesn't watch it, it's important to have it because enough people are going to watch it to be able to say, "Oh, well, this happened, that happened," uh, and and as you have shown with your podcast, it's an important source of history as well. Yeah, you know that's again, it's perfectly phrased because we don't expect people to be watching us. And again, C-SPAN is a nonprofit, a privately funded television enterprise that shows Congress and shows the White House and events in Washington and politics um, as they're happening. Uh, we don't. It's a nonprofit. We're created, uh, funded by the television providers, cable and satellite. Uh, but we show Congress. We show the floor of Congress, and we show hearings. So. So to your point, and you're so spot on you're, to your point that you don't always people we don't expect people to always be watching it. People dip in and out for a big hearing, or they might dip in and out when they want to watch an author uh, book conversation um, or some event in mm-hmm. history, or 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 politics, or 
a Biden or a Trump rally. So your point is totally perfect that that we are always there, but people aren't always watching us, and that's totally fine. You know, we we, we understand that, and we try to provide programming for people who are just broadly interested in, in policy and politics um, and don't want us to tell you what to think. We think for yourself on that. I, I think without you, we don't have people like Jen Briney uh, at Congressional Dish uh, able to dig into those hearings uh, that that aren't as as popular, <laughs> so to speak, right? Yeah. But they're there for uh, for the record, right? And that, and that's super important. It's the it it kind of leads me to to the word that we're going to talk about today, which is transparency. It enables that kind of transparency. You would be well. You might not be shocked or surprised, but but or you might be. So I'll just say this flat out that so many people don't understand us, don't get us, and so many people in the media world don't understand what we do. Uh, they look at us, and I've heard you know as the communications director, he asked me at the top, what is that? You know, I'm the, the PR guy for C-SPAN, so forgive me if I go off a little bit Thank on you. the value of C-SPAN here. But but thank you for your transparency <laughs> about your role in C-SPAN. That's an yeah, example, sure. right? yeah, totally transparent. I get paid to talk about yeah, these yeah. bands. They're transparent. But the um, people don't understand why, what it means to have a cable channel devoted to showing a quote-unquote boring hearing, what mm-hmm. that means. Now, there is a sliver of the American people who get it, who want to see their politicians spend their money. Uh, we are a country over $20 trillion in debt, and people want to watch the budget hearings and the tax markup hearings and and all the appropriations because they say, what are we spending all of our money on? And for better, not a judgment of what we're spending it on, but generating curiosity. Now, I will tell you, I off over and over, and I because I see mentions of C-SPAN, everybody says how boring we are, put you to sleep. I've heard every ambient joke uh, mm-hmm. possible. And know what? <laughs> that comes from the media. They and because we're we're so different. Um, so, but but at the same time, even though they don't get us, your point about bloggers and others who take content from us and make points—that actually is beautiful. We want people to be making uh, to be clipping our video and sharing it and saying, hey, I saw this in a hearing today and, you know, I watch C-SPAN so you don't have to, all that stuff. But you know what? That's totally fine um, because that's, you know, that is what we are there for. We are there, you know, again, not our own opinions, but we are a network full of opinions and attitude. And if people want to create their own narrative about the raw primary source video, what they see, that's wonderful. And we encourage that. Yeah. You're, you're a building block in that way. Uh, you know, and the, the brick doesn't know which building it's going into, but it's important to have it. Perfect. Exactly. That's good. Totally good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it shows to this, this, uh, element of transparency, uh, that I thought we could kick around, which is transparency is something people want when they think they need it. Because something was hidden, but transparency all the time is is like you say it's it's not useful. It's not entertaining. Uh, uh, immediately, uh, immediately useful. It, it will prove useful to have it, uh, but transparency is kind of a slog, isn't it? Yeah. So here's the here's the deal on that. Um, so we have cameras in Congress. We have cameras in the White House. Here's a place we don't have cameras. We have, don't have cameras in a third of the government, and that's the third branch, the judicial branch, and the Supreme Court. And we, for years, as an, as an example, to prove your point, we have we've been asked, we as a network, want to put 
uh, cameras into the oral arguments mm-hmm. for Supreme Court uh, deliberations. Uh, we and the independent media, not just us, but like in, uh, media, independent media in general. And among the many reasons, I mean, the biggest reason is always when people say no to cameras, it's power, it's control. Um, but a, a more immediate reason that many opponents uh, who uh, to that idea, like in the court, say is that, you know, most of the cases they hear are these boring Indian reservation land rights cases, and that would <laughs> bore people. And I personally, I think that's an absurd argument to keeping cameras out, because if people aren't interested in something, they're not going to watch it, and they'll just move on. Uh, you know, no one forces you to watch this. Uh, but, you know, people should be giving, given an opportunity to see their government. Um, and it's, you know, it's funny, the transparency thing, it's on many levels. Another level to transparency is when you're, when you're watching the House and Senate floor on C-SPAN, again, we provide live gavel gavel coverage of U.S. House representatives on C-SPAN and on the sister network, C-SPAN 2, same idea, but for the Senate, live gavel gavel coverage of the Senate. Now, many people don't know this, but when you are watching us for, for those two chambers, you are not seeing our cameras uh, work. You are seeing the, the fee that is provided by the government. It is there. It's the government's uh, uh, t- uh, video cam, TV cameras, and the government's audio uh, that are provided in those two channels. For years, we, and again, the independent media, I mean, when I say we, mm-hmm. have asked for independent media cameras to be included in the House chamber and the Senate chamber, and both parties over the years have said no to that. Um, so when you talk transparency, transparency in that case would mean more cameras in the chamber gives you more cameras, to see, more chance to see who's in the audience, who's mm-hmm. sitting there, who's not, who's talking to who. Take a look at this ceiling. We have a beautiful ceiling in the House of Representatives you, people have never seen uh, because there's no cameras in there. So transparency is is not, there are levels to it. It's not just, you know, are there camera, or can you see it or not, but, you know, are we getting the full picture? Um, you know, another example is uh, coverage of hearings. Uh, you know, we provide live stream of, of as many hearings as we can get from Congress, but the government itself also live streams its hearings. And it's a different feel when you have mm-hmm. the government itself, uh, six cameras not showing protesters. We showed protesters in the audience and so on. So, you know, just there's several levels to that, to the transparency issue. Yeah. I, that, I hadn't really thought of that before, but, but the, there's, there isn't a pure transparency, right? Because you're never going to show every single thing that happened. Uh, every, every mote of dust that floated through a chamber, uh, it, it may or may not be important. Uh, and so where you draw those lines can, can tell a different story. Uh, if, if you only show the podium, uh, if you fix the camera on that, you won't realize how many people are in the audience. Or like you say, if it's a hearing, uh, you may not realize there are protesters in the audience or not in the audience. Uh, so, so transparency, when you ask for it, uh, the devil's in the details of what do you mean? It, 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 I, I think of, of situations uh, where someone says, well, I would like to see the data uh, on something. Uh, and, and a company in a court case might uh, comply by giving you all their data in order to make it hard for you to find the data you wanted. Right. Like that's transparency. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, yeah. but you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's different levels of transparency that are appropriate to the situation. If that makes any sense. 
they totally that's such a great example you know this the the uh oh, the fire hose of data um you know there are, there are people in the media who say you shouldn't show live events you shouldn't show a live trump rally for instance mm. because because it's that's bad for you to see that live um and you know these are their reporters who say well we need to contextualize we need to explain things so you don't get this raw one and a half hours of trump talking as an example we you know we show Democrats as well. Um, and that's not where we're about. We are not about hiding, you know, elected a former presidents from anybody or current presidents. We are there, you know, here's the raw, to use your example, here's the raw stream of data. Here's a raw stream of words that's coming from this politician. Um, and again, we get out of the way and let you figure out, do you like him or not? Uh, what do you think? So, you know, that's where, you know, that's, that's our, Added value or detracted value? I'm not sure which way to go with that, but it's, you know, it's, uh, um, but it's, you know, that's what we do. We just show that stuff raw. Well, a, a less political example is the, the person who runs on the field at a baseball game. Uh, and, and in, in the seventies, uh, uh, you, you, you may, you may be too young to remember, <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, you, you would see that. Rick you, Monday, Rick Monday, read the flag, right? Right. right the, yeah. LA Dodgers. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so, and then the, the, the sort of the conventional wisdom became never show them, don't show the person because that's what they want. Uh, so there's a lack of transparency around showing the person running on the field that you could argue like, Maybe it's good because, yes, if you run on the field, you're not going to get on TV, and that's that maybe encourages fewer people to do it. Uh, on the other hand, you also don't see how uh, what the consequences are and, and, and maybe how idiotic that person looks. Yeah, and that's a great example of sports because then if the game is delayed for three minutes, you're like, what's going on? Can someone then, you know, in modern that, – that example, by the way, I love that because that's the same as the Vince Scully call when Rick Monday mm-hmm. tackled the um, – was he burning the flag or doing something with the flag? Uh, for he was the, trying to um, burn it. I, I can't remember if he succeeded at <laughs> getting it alight or not, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's, so that becomes really interesting. You, know, you apply that kind of example. We, we know about that because of the Vin Scully call of that, but you apply that to now. And let's say that happened now and the network coverage of that sporting event, uh, you know, suddenly three minutes of, of just their own announcers talking to each other, not explaining it. But now, Everybody in the stadium is going to be taking their own video of that. Um, and uh, now here's – I'll tell you something. Here's an example of that in, in the political world. Um, I think in 2016, House Democrats staged a sit-in um, in the House chamber uh, over gun control. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when Republicans – were in control of the House, okay. and the uh, they they try to line up uh, people to go, go to the um, uh, to the microphone to talk about uh, gun safety and gun control. And Republicans gaveled out the session. And when that happens for us at C-SPAN, that's when our 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 video feed ends. So we don't, when they gavel out, the, the government's not providing us video anymore. And essentially, the House of Representatives at that point is 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 dark, is closed, is over. What happened in, I think it was 2016, Democrats staged a sit-in. They would not leave the floor, even though the the chamber was out. And they broadcast themselves. They brought their phones in and they, you know, they showed themselves sitting on the floor. And it was, you know, a a multi-day extravaganza. And we showed their cell phone taken Video. This is back in the Periscope days. Um, oh wow! Okay. And uh, yeah, I know the old, the old days <laughs> and the old the old days of uh, face the early days of Facebook 
live video, but they were broadcast themselves. Periscope era, got it. Yeah, <laughs> meerkat, totally. We got some meerkats on the TV. <laughs> so that's exactly right. I remember that. Boy, the old the, yeah. we are dating ourselves on that. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, so we show that because that, uh, and frankly, the Democrats on the floor of the House had great video, compelling video of what they were doing. And I don't say great politically; it's a great. Yeah, uh, interesting, interesting television uh, to see that. So, you know, that's that's an example of where you can't necessarily turn things on and off like you could in the, you know in the pre cell phone days of uh, politics. Some people would argue there's too much transparency caused by uh, that ability of people to have cell phones because uh, and, and and I'm not talking about you know protests or anything like that, but just sort of the ability to just you know, mind your own business and do something and, and anybody can, can video you at every time. Uh, how, how can people decide what's important to be transparent and where, where that privacy, uh, line should be drawn, uh, is, is something that, that I think a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. For us, it's actually kind of simple. It's either yeah. an event is open to the media or it's closed. Um, you know, that we were not, Trying at C-SPAN, at least we're not trying to gain surreptitious video that hasn't been, mm-hmm. you know, made public. It's, you know, it, it's, you know, it, we, you know, for us, it's can't. Is this event open to the press? It is okay. We'll send the camera. It's not open to the press. Okay, we're going to move on. Um, now, there's a level to this that's a little different these days. Is that a lot of some political organizations, uh, conservative organizations, are more and more closing their events to us, us meaning the media. And making it available only to their own chosen gatekeepers in the media. Um, and so that's, it's not really, it's not a huge issue, but it's something just to keep an eye on down the road is, um, you know, just uh, the, the uh, or sponsoring organizations themselves who in the old days might have, you know, begged and, and pleaded for cameras to come in and cover their events. Now are, you know, might be more narrow in who they invite, uh, invite to places. That's an that's an interesting situation where when when transparency was limited, right? When when you only had right. three networks, uh, and and so you, your ability to get on one of those three networks was was limited. Uh, you you want to give them that power to film you. Uh, in fact, you hope that they they find you interesting right. enough uh, to film you. But in a world of of um, widespread recording ability, like you say, everybody's got a phone in their pocket. Uh, you can you can choose to be selective because your message will get out there and it's not just about getting on one of the three cameras it's about which people and which message that we're giving and what's the context that's going to be around it that becomes important it's in, in fact it's it's trying to manipulate that transparency like we were talking about earlier don't you think i i told you i totally agree with you on that it is and i'm not bothered by it i mm-hmm. i say this i as a corporate C-SPAN guy, like, you know, if, again, for us, if they don't want to open to us, that's fine. And, you know, we, we, we spent, we've been around 40 years. We'll be, we'll be just fine without a particular event to cover. But it's, you know, it's just more of a big, it's the bigger issues that you're driving toward of, of manipulating transparency in a certain way. And yeah. And, and saying, well, I, I don't need to be on every screen because every screen, Every screen is available now. I I I I can right. I can blow up on TikTok or, or Twitter uh, just as easily as as I can get attention by you know having a a major broadcast network in front of me, possibly in front of more people. Uh, and so I want to be able to 
to stack the deck that way. Or it, it, especially when you're talking about primary candidates, it feels like they only want to be in front of a certain segment of people. They they want they they don't want wide transparency. Right, exactly. And by the way, there is a certain official government uh, element to this to what you were saying because even the government plays games with that. Mm-hmm. For an example, uh, the White House, both the presidents of both parties uh, in the social media age. Uh, I know Obama did this. I believe mm-hmm. Trump did this. They put images on their the old days Flickr accounts where they, you know, they have their own photographers shoot important or news making events and have excluded. Uh, officially the press from events to try to you know, drive up their numbers and try to get things out on their channels too. So it, it happens in politics, but also the government uh, fiddles around sometimes with, uh, with the whole issue of, uh, you know, uh, uh, including the press in events. Uh, and if they don't include press in events, then they'll just take their own pictures of it and post it. So that's, this is another element of it as well to be aware of. Yeah, I think when the internet was in its younger days, people looked at it uh, as a way for the general populace to circumvent the gatekeepers. Uh, but we didn't really, at least I didn't really, uh, think about the fact that it also meant uh, that the gatekeepers could circumvent other gatekeepers. <laughs> yes. That's exactly it. You nailed it. That's it. That's it. That's in a nutshell. Absolutely. Yes. And that, you know, that applies when, you know, the government's streaming its own hearings. It applies when the government posts its own pictures on uh, on social media. That's fine. Like, I want more information. I'm hungry for information. I believe in, you know, as much information as possible. But so it's not necessarily like it's not a horrible thing. uh, But people just have to keep in mind what are the sources of this information? Uh, Is there... You know, who's funding it? Is there a reason why you're seeing things? You know, who's driving these decisions? Um, and, you know, I don't want to say that I'm not saying the media always wears the white hat, but you kind of know what our mission is. We want you to, in our case, in C-SPAN, we want you to watch us. Or, you know, for a newspaper, they want you to subscribe to you. Um, you know, when, when the government becomes the gatekeeper, uh, you know, what is the government's motive? Well, that's just straight PR at that point. That's just, you know, getting, they're not going to, put bad things uh, on their social media channels. What, and, uh, and it's only going to be the good stuff. Particularly elected officials. Uh, I, I find in, in local politics, uh, not necessarily in, in federal politics, but in local politics, you get way more transparency from from a municipal utility district than you get uh, from from even the mayoral council, right? Or, or the, the board of aldermen or, or something like that, because the elected official is always running for office. And so they when they give you their government message, it's also a political message. Whereas, you know, the, the folks running the water board really are just worried about, like, how do we make sure there's enough water or how do we make sure there's enough electricity? Uh, so so there's, there's government and there's government, I guess, if, if that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense, and I I love watching water board hearings myself. So, <laughs> so that's, that's there's good stuff in there. So totally. <laughs> well, and 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 if you go to a website of your utility district, compare that to the website of your local house representative or even your state uh, representative. You're you're going to get a much more utilitarian presentation of information, right? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. It's more straightforward. It hasn't been uh, massaged or manipulated in any way. It's straightforward. Here's and the downside of this, by the way, and I've struggled on a lot of websites trying to find, like, state legislature websites. It's, sometimes it gets tough. You know, they, the lesser funded that they are, it's tougher to really clip and share and, you know, and find 
big moment. So there's, you know, it's no knock on them. It's just it's a struggle in the very lowest level of government to really get useful video and see what's happening. But if, you know, if you're if you're adamant and you do want to see that, a lot of that stuff is there now. Yeah, it, it, it feels like we are at a point where it's easier to get information than ever, right? You can flip on C-SPAN, you can stream C-SPAN, you can go to the legislature website and get the bill uh, as soon as it's proposed. California uh, just uh, had a a bill out in in August uh, about internet uh, regulation for children. And I was able to pop right on online and find the text of that bill uh, fairly easily. However, I say that I had to go through a couple of three links to to get to the one that was like, wait, oh, wait, that was a draft from from February. Again, there was almost too much transparency in that there were there were 15 different versions of the bill. And I had to go until I found the right one. And then that that link was not working because the website was down. Uh, I I think there's still a ways to go in, in making it easy to navigate the transparency, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I have, so that's great. I have two things to add to that. One is, um, uh, it's so funny, the whole issue of too much transparency is really provocative because uh, when you talk, so we began in 1979. That's when C-SPAN first went on TV and started showing the chamber of the house. There are people who, I, I love speaking to students because they have no idea if they are interested, what it was like when you couldn't see members of the House, yeah. Congress, debate and vote on issues. So, you know, and, and we have the technology to do so, and that's all pre-1979. Um, so it's really interesting. Like, it's it, going back to what you said at the beginning, almost like the utility of this, you know, you can dip in and out. It's always there. Yes, it's always there, but believe it or not, there was a time in our country when, even though we had the technology, we could not see what was happening uh, inside Congress, uh, the dark days. Um, the second thing, this is kind of, this is a very... Um, I didn't really talk about this, but this is kind of a, a very fine point on what you're saying. Um, you may not know this, but it is extremely difficult uh, to find things in the congressional record. Mm. Um, and it had, until, until recently, um, for years, the congressional record never went backward in history. It's always uh, like from 1995 on, they posted it, but there's no uh, going back and digging in. Um, and uh, if you, you could, but you'd have to go through a paid service uh, to do so. And you can either do this uh, for like a, a day or two and pay $100 a day. Or if you're a student at a university, you could have researched the congressional record because they have a big contract with, with these services who are the gatekeepers. That's that's changing, thankfully. Um, now the Library of Congress and the archives are putting uh, the congressional record on. Uh, more and more going backwards in time, and you can see more great debates in our country's history. But that has that's only in the last four or five years that's been the case. Um, so that's an example of just, you know, information that should be publicly available and easy to obtain has been behind walls and behind gatekeepers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or or at least, you know, there's there's that, well, it's technically there. Uh, I, I had an internship at National Public Radio in, in 1993 in Washington, D.C., and I remember going and getting those huge bound volumes of the congressional record uh, off the shelf in the in the library. Uh, and and so they were they were available. You, you just had to walk and carry them and page right. through them. And 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 so, the, you know, again, it's that thing of like, well, technically it's there. It's available, you, you know. 
know, right. you just got to <laughs> put in the effort and, and you'll get it. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly. And I, by the way, I, I'm geeking out because I would have loved to have been that guy to go and get the bound volume and come back to NPR with it. That actually <laughs> sounds like a, a cool job, but who knows what the heck is in there and how to read that thing. And, and what, you know, and your point about like what 15 different, different drafts of a vote. I mean, it does get very confusing if, uh, you know, if you're not a, a lobbyist paid or if you're not a, one of these political yeah. uh, you know, media sites with the politics pro and uh, plus, you know, attached to their name to, to step through it for you. It is, yeah, it is very tough, difficult with that, yeah. Uh, but, so I'm curious, uh, I, I revealed a little bit of there of, of my, uh, you know, history. How did you get interested in what you do in, in, in this kind of, you know, uh, you said earlier, you like watching waterboards. Like how, why, how did you get uh, interested in this? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm a, I'm a native of Washington, DC. I was born and I went to university of Maryland. So I've, I've seen life only inside the beltway. Okay. I, you know, I'm immersed in it. And so just be, it just naturally being a politics and media junkie, um, I've had a variety of different media jobs. Um, I worked for um, a publication called The Hotline, um, which is a daily political publication. Uh, back in the day, it was like it was the first one to really aggregate and curate uh, political news um, as a daily facts and uploaded to bulletin boards. This is like back in the early '90s, late '80s. Um, and I've, you know, I've worked in prior jobs for MSNBC and. Uh, um, the Broadcasting Board of Governors, which is the um, agency that runs international broadcasting, like Radio for Europe and Radio for Asia. So for me personally, this has always been a, a fascination uh, with media um, and politics being in D.C. Now, to put my geek hat back on, I just was always a big C-SPAN fan, a viewer of it. I just, from the beginning, I got it. Like, I understood what all this was, what it meant, and I just loved it. Um and I just had an opportunity in 2009 to join, and it's kind of like you know the kid who grew up being a big Yankees fan, and suddenly got called in to play center field. You're just like, wow, this is great! <laughs> and I get to watch Congress for a living, you know, and make clips of it and search our video archives. How great is that? Um, yeah. So I, I'm sure that's a very limited segment of the population that sees greatness in that, but uh, but I love it. Um, you know, so I just love knowing what's happening in politics and policy and. You interact with the video. It's an important thing for us at C-SPAN that, you know, when you watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox, we don't, they're not really asking you to interact with their video. Um, you know, they want, you know, they want to be watched for ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have ratings, uh, because we are a nonprofit and we don't have advertising. So no ratings for us, but there's a big element of us that I just find fascinating. And that's not just watching us, but using us, using our video. Uh, finding things uh, in our video library and our archives. Um, you know, I'm a I'm up uh, since our word for today is transparency. I, I, I'm 55 years old, um, so a lot of what I've lived and watched in politics is very current uh, history, political history. You know, th- this is not you know ancient stuff that we've shown. So we have 40 years of history of politics, you know, digitally archived. And that's everything that I know and remember. Um, so for me, it's just, it's a lot of fun. You know, when you're on YouTube and you're finding a, a YouTube, you're, you know, you tweet it out. You say, wow, look at this great YouTube I found. Well, you're finding something that somebody else has already found and posted. But when you dig through our video library, for example, you know, and you find a gem, 
in there that no one's ever seen before. That's just the greatest feeling. Uh, and to be able to share it and say, you know, here's, here's what Biden is saying now, but here's what Biden said with, he was in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee uh, back in, 19, in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for me, that you know, there's a rush in that. There's just a lot of joy in, in finding those things. This this explains one of the reasons I love the weekly, uh, the podcast you do so much. Uh, we're we're around the same age, uh, and there is there is a sort of a a perspective on on history that I, that I think people around our age share of you know the from the Nixon era to the present and and how the how those compare and how they've changed and how they haven't changed over there that i that i find fascinating so it makes it makes sense to me to to hear that that you you were steeped in that from the beginning i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, it's funny. What, one of the, the worst words that journalists can use is the word unprecedented. Mm. Um, <laughs> everything has happened before. It's yeah. all happened before. Now, there might be degrees and circumstances and environments have changed, but big picture things have all happened before. So for journalists who are listening and yeah, journalism students never use the word unprecedented. And if you use that, it means you just don't know all the examples out there. Um, the, and thank you, by the way, for, for mentioning the weekly. It is a product that we do, uh, through the C-SPAN radio. Um, and it is exactly, you are, I love your reaction because you know, it's, you know, it, you can share archived video and audio in this case and still not have an opinion and still inform. Um, you know, we are just as careful at, at the weekly to not you know, be biased or not show, uh, you know, leaning toward either side, but, but just here's some raw, interesting nuggets that we found because uh, there's a heck of a lot of them. And, you know, you make, you find five interesting things and you make a story out of it. Yeah. Um, so you know that just that's that's where the the fun part of this comes in. What were you doing in 1993? Just out of curiosity. Sure, uh, 1993. I was. Um, uh, I that's well. November 93 is when I got my job for the hotline. Uh, it was the first year of Clinton, and okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Spent yeah, spent six years there, seven years there, and. Um, um, I just I, I asked because oh, I, I, I was in D.C. for for my internship in '93, and I, I I can almost imagine us sitting down at different booths at Bob and Edith's on Columbia Pike, and you know, <laughs> I, told, I, I totally remember that. I, Bob and Edith called me man. That's a great memory. I don't know if it's still around, but yes, I the back room there was like the two big rooms, and, and yeah, I yeah. always went to the. the the second room is always big. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I love it. Well, because a lot of what you're doing now, I I was interested in uh, and still am interested in, uh, which is realizing that, wait, Nixon started the EPA? Well, that's not the narrative you hear th these days. And that, that was in the Clinton days, you know, like kind of showing the, those those perspectives, the, those things that help you understand a little more. Yeah, that's so great. Uh, and in fact, I, we've uh, put my, uh, I mean, C-SPAN has covered events at the Nixon Library, the 50th anniversary of the EPA. And that's like, wait a minute, that's where it started? You yeah. know, Nixon, you'd have no idea. Um, 
we uh, uh, we did two podcasts, which I really enjoyed doing for the weekly for C-SPAN Radio, um, MAGA, Make America Great Again, mm-hmm. uh, with a premise that it was, that Donald Trump was not the first one, a, to, a president or presidential candidate to say it. Yeah, and it was so much fun going doing the Democratic version and the Republican version of here's every candidate before Trump saying we need to make America great again. And it was wonderful. And, you know, and Clinton, and since you mentioned 93 Clinton, I have, there's a clip in there of him in 93 speaking to Boeing yeah. and saying, you know, we support your company, make Boeing great again and make America great again. <laughs> if for no other reason than the cognitive dissonance of, of hearing the, you know, these folks you wouldn't expect say that line that has now come to mean so many, you know, other things than it did when they were saying them. It's worth listening to just that episode, I think. Yeah, it's it's so fun, right? It, it definitely, you're right. It, it's taken on different meaning, but it, it's never been, but it's not unprecedented either. You know, you could find many people saying that. Reagan said it three times. He said it in 1980 convention. Reagan said it at the 1984 convention. Yeah, yeah. Reagan said it at the 1988 convention. And he said it when he announced for president in front of the state, uh, the Statue of Liberty, making America great again. And that was cited by John Huntsman when he announced Republican uh, uh, his Republican presidential campaign in 2012, Make America Great Again. So it's, you know, it, it's not unique to Donald Trump. Uh, maybe it's taking on different conversation now, but no, it's definitely something, you know, as an example, you just dive in and just find other politicians talking like that. I, I think it's, it's fun to come up with the examples of ways that transparency is good. Uh, and, and obviously that's, you know, what you're doing at C-SPAN. Uh, where do you think the line for transparency should be drawn? Uh, where, where, where do you think that that ends? I, I, and I know you said earlier that it's it's kind of automatic for C-SPAN. If the press is there, you go. And if not, uh, but where do you think the press should be allowed to go? You know what? Let me answer that two ways. One, there are many there are people who say, and not without legitimacy, that that backroom negotiations is where things happen mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. that uh you know you can't hammer out mansion can't talk to clinton about the climate bill if if the media is showing that and there's there's definitely legitimacy to, to saying that so yeah you know it's um you know there are things that just we will never get in and it's understandable why we wouldn't get in um you know you get in then people say well it's now it's performative rather than uh, rather than negotiating. So that's completely understandable when, when just things, and, but things have always happened, you know, when they, in, in the dark, when they, I believe when the Constitutional Convention met in Philadelphia back in the late, the late 18th century, they draped black, uh, black curtains over the windows so uh-huh. people couldn't see in as they were hammering out the Constitution. So that, you know, that, that, I think that's a valid thing to say, uh, has been going on, you know, from the beginning. Um, you know, it's funny, but one of the elements of that is there are certain media events that we are not allowed uh, to cover. Uh, we can't cover. There are no cameras allowed in the Gridiron Dinner. Uh, the Gridiron Dinner is an annual black tie mm. affair in Washington where the media and politicians get together and do uh, uh, supposedly hilarious skits of old <laughs> Broadway shows and uh, entertain each other. Oh, yeah. uh, we've always wanted to show that. But, yeah. And they always say the, the media sponsors of that event always say no. You know, this is uh, there's no place for you here. Um, also, one of my favorite little uh, uh, niches of this is uh, we there are often 
there are there are often First Amendment dinner or awards given out to reporters, and we are told we can't cover it because <laughs> the person or the host doesn't want our cameras in there. So that, that's always been my favorite. <laughs> well, we can't cover First Amendment awards. Yeah, that one's <laughs> odd. The gridiron dinner, yeah, I, I understand is. because there there's a, a, a there's something to be said of I am not going to act the same way depending on who's looking, and if everyone's looking. Uh, I'm going to take fewer chances and I can't do my hilarious Broadway thing. I think that's fair. The First Amendment dinner, though, strikes me as like, yeah, yeah but wouldn't you what? I don't know. That, that one seems odd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, but I think that is important to remember when when you're advocating for transparency is that your transparency will change what's de- what people do. Maybe not what's delivered as far as like, you know, written records and things like that, but it will, it will change how people act. People, we, we all do it. We, 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 if we know someone is watching, we modify our behavior, right? Without question. And that is, you know, that's one of the knocks against, uh, uh, of showing this stuff live is mm-hmm. that people, it becomes performative. People change their behavior for the cameras. Now that, uh, and, and so that's what politicians do. Um, I would, um, so if you accept, if you accept that premise, if you put on the table, yes, people do change their behavior when their cameras in there. That's still how they are behaving and we still should be able to see that. We should be able to see the altered behavior. There, you know, the people say, well, even going back to when you first had cameras in, in the House and the Senate, you know, that changed Congress because now, now you've seen an explosion in charts and, and people bringing props <laughs> to the Senate floor. Um, you know, that's an argument that they can't, that we shouldn't show politicians because they just can't help themselves and they have to do that. You know, but historically that's wrong. Um, I actually, yesterday completely by accident, I came across, uh, uh, joining you in our fellow geeking, I came across a 1956 congressional record, uh, from the Senate. In November uh, 56, and Senator Humphrey is on the floor. Hubert Humphrey, Democrat of Minnesota, is on the floor in 1956, talking about, of all things, bulgur wheat. <laughs> and in the, in the, yeah, I know it's riveting, but uh, the, no cameras at the time. But he says, according to the congressional record, I tweeted this out, I am now going to hold up boxes and boxes of, of bulgur wheat, and I'm going to hold up a magazine and stories about bulgur wheat. And that's in the congressional record. So you may not be interested in bulgur wheat, uh, but uh, if you're interested in in seeing things, you know you don't. This, this happened before there were cameras. Yeah, uh, people yeah. performing for the performing for you know their audience. There's a gallery. The gallery. You know, people do go and sit in the gallery and and watch yep. the proceedings, right? I, uh, so exactly. I I think it's not so much an argument against transparency to say people will act different, uh, but an argument for understanding that when you interpret what you're given right so so when cameras are on understand like oh okay this is how they're acting in front of the cameras doesn't make it bad or wrong it just just means you as a viewer have to have to account for that and and because there can there will not always be cameras everywhere they're going to act differently when there's not cameras and you have to realize that that's true you know here's an example of that um uh yesterday we showed on c-span um we covered we sent cameras to cover uh, senator tim scott uh, in Iowa, mm. and we got really good access. Uh, we uh, covered him as he was going, um, as he was speaking at an event in Iowa. Uh, he, he was campaigning on behalf of Charles Grassley. 
Uh, but, you know, obviously, Tim Scott in Iowa draws our attention. Any, because any candidate might, going to Iowa yeah. right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly right. So that's why we were intrigued by that. So he gave us good access. We we showed him meet and greets. We showed him talking to people. He was sitting on a tractor. Now there's a two-way street on that. It's good for him to get that kind of exposure um, and being seen you know, in front of a national C-SPAN audience. It's good for us because we want to be able to show people, here's how politicians campaign in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it, yes, was performative, demonstrative, whatever you want to call it, choreographed, uh, but still gave us an insight into his conversations with people who, who like him, uh, and just gave people a chance to hear more. And, you know, after when there was, when he goes in the car, that's when our cameras stop. You know, we don't follow him everywhere. Um, you know, we follow him for the, for the part, for the, uh, the programming part of it, but it's, you know, there is a limit to that. Um, and watching him drive two hours at the airport probably isn't that interesting television <laughs> to begin with. So, well, and and just like uh, two hours driving to the airport, I don't know. Maybe you'd come up with uh, a couple of quips that were of of interest or or, or use. Uh, l- vice versa. While so many things in front of the camera are performative, I don't don't you think there are moments when everyone forgets the camera is on and and a little bit of truth shows through. Perfect. Perfect. That's exactly it. You know, and uh, yeah, those are great moments. And I'm, I, I'm trying to think of an example when, when you know, it wasn't bad that we captured something, but they just didn't realize uh, or they had temporarily forgotten uh, um, the cameras are on. I'm not thinking of an example right now, but no, there are moments yeah, like yeah. that where just it's just through normal human activity, you're behaving like a human being. Right. And that's interesting too, to see. Yeah. Not, not even like you say, not, not even just as a gotcha moment, uh, although I'm sure that happens, but also as a a sort of an insight into seeing, you know, Oh, that that's how that person truly would or does react. Uh, you know, versus the like, ah, I'm going to pretend I enjoy this buttered corn right now. You know, I actually, I love it. Here's I'm going to give you an example of a, I love that you said it doesn't have to be a gotcha moment, but to see people, behave as human beings. Um, an example that comes to mind immediately now is, so I'm, you mentioned this at the beginning. I, I'm inter- uh, I wrote a book about uh, prayer in Congress and, and, and every session of Congress begins with a prayer, uh, both the house and the Senate. Um, typically it's an official chat. The official chaplain gives a prayer. Uh, some, on some occasions there's a guest chaplain that gives a prayer, but, uh, and I appreciate giving the chance to hawk the book, but, the, I, I mentioned this because after a Catholic uh, gives a prayer, or I'm sorry, after a prayer and there's a Catholic uh, presiding in the, in, the, in the speaker's chair, you often see that politician, that speaker, cross mm. him or herself. Um, Nancy Pelosi does this. Mm. After there's a prayer given to open the session of Congress, she gives herself you know, the, the, the cross of the Catholic. Or do Paul Ryan did that when he was the Republican Speaker of the House. Uh, and that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a private moment, uh, and it's a, but it's just their real life reaction to a prayer that just been given, uh, you know, in the House of Representatives. Yeah, yeah, no, that that that's a great example. As a uh, as a Catholic, I was raised Catholic myself. Uh, it's it's an involuntary action, right? It's just gonna it's gonna come out and it's gonna show a a little bit of of who you are or how you were raised. Uh, I, I think it's, it's worth telling folks where they can find your book and a little bit about it since we brought it up. It's called When Rabbis Bless Congress, uh, when rabbis bless congress.com. You can find out more about it. Uh, I've, I'm excited for you. I hope it's doing well. I appreciate it. Thank you. The, it's, it's, 
this is part of me watching C-SPAN for a living is uh-huh. that, uh, you know, I've just always intrigued by the first thing Congress does each session, and that's uh, pray, believe it or not. Before they even do the Pledge of Allegiance, um, there's a prayer in Congress. Um, since, you, since we're going for transparency and you said you're Catholic, I'll, I'll say that I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the occasion when the guest chaplain is the rabbi, uh, I just always was intrigued by what he or she said uh, in their prayer and who they are and what they say. So I, I did uh, spend a couple of years just doing research, like middle of the night research on um, on prayer and Congress in general as an intellectual exercise, not for or against it. Um, there are plenty of people who have opinions for whether Congress should be praying and have an official chaplain. These are taxpayer paid positions, but nobody had ever really done research into the history of it, the tradition. And I did it with a, a Jewish angle of looking at the rabbi. Over 400 rabbis have prayed in Congress and put it together to a book. Um, so it was it was a neat project. Uh, you asked how it's doing it. You know, like, as you might imagine, <laughs> books about rabbis praying in Congress is probably, that's the extent of the conversation <laughs> about it. But, uh, you know, but it's fun. It was just fun creating an alley of history that didn't exist, you know, as a, as a passion project. And I just, I continue to be very interested in, in general, and um, there was a guest chaplain yesterday from St. Joseph's of Capitol Hill, a Catholic, who uh-huh. uh, was the guest chaplain in the House Performer session yesterday. And he opened his prayer talking about Albert Einstein oh. uh, and talking about the seat about Albert Einstein saying, the, you know, to thank God for the universe, quoting Albert Einstein for that. And I thought it was neat to, as a Jew, to hear a Catholic citing a famous Jewish person. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, yeah. But but thank you for mentioning that. Thank you. Of course, of course, absolutely. Uh, well, it's it's time now for what I warned you about before we started recording uh, the word game. Uh, the game is called this and that. I will throw out two things, and and you tell me uh, which one you would pick. Okay. All right. I'm ready now. I I I'm understand. Nervous, but I'm ready. <laughs> I understand there might be something as a C-SPAN employee that you can't pick. Uh, you know, so we'll we'll give you a couple of passes. But I I hope these are <laughs> these are still things you can come down on one side or the other of. Uh, here's the first as, one. As long as it's not Trump or Biden, I think I'm, I'll be yeah, nothing like here, that. So. Nothing like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, sound bites from the '60s or sound bites from the '80s. Oh, sound bites from the eighties. Always, I'm a product of the eighties. Yes, just because of the familiarity, the nostalgia of it. Oh, definitely. I mean, I know the sixties stuff, but it does the emotional bond, the connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's for me in the early eighties. Yeah, yeah. I could, the sixties have the appeal of everybody talking like this, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> The direct emotional. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I it. You can just hear the skinny black tie coming through that yep. too. When they yep. say that. I know. <laughs> uh, fast or slow zombies? Fast or slow zombies? Um, you know, it's funny. I, I yes, I watched The Walking Dead. Um, I, they they were so slow in that, but what's that movie Z where they're really fast? Um, I think it strikes me as they're easier to chop their head off if they're slow. So. Uh, I would, and I'm I'm a slow runner, so I I think I could probably outrun a, a slow zombie, but hardly a fast zombie. So let me go with uh, slow zombies on that one. Taking the know. practical approach, I like it. Yeah. That's, yes. That's exactly. uh, mambo sauce or mumbo sauce? <laughs> well, here I'm a DC guy, and we are we are the home of uh, of boy. If I do, I'm thinking Wordle here. Five letters for both. Uh, 
we are the home of mumbo sauce. Uh-huh. Um, so I've never had mumbo sauce. So I probably but would actually. I, there are people who call mumbo. mumbo sauce mumbo sauce, apparently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think the correct usage is mumbo, but uh, boy, am I. If the angry letters come in from your podcast listeners, I'll accept those readily I, for doing that I, wrong. I, I, to, I, as far as my research tells me, there is no right or wrong answer. There is there is merely oh, a dispute. There you go. So. Uh, okay, this is this is the toughest one I think in the bunch. C-SPAN yeah. or C-SPAN two? Oh, that's like choosing between my two children. Um, and I, you wouldn't allow me to say C-SPAN three, will you? Um, oh yeah, yeah, we'll get to um, it. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay. Let me um, let me split the difference and say C-SPAN one and a half. How about that? C-SPAN one and a half. Wait, I can't yeah. wait for it to launch. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Exactly. Thank you. Is it, is it just picture in picture of both C-SPAN and C-SPAN? Yeah, that's pretty funny. That's yeah. that's a picture in picture of C-SPAN one and two combined. I love it. If you get the house on the left and send it on the right, yeah, that's yeah. great. It's the full building, the full Capitol building. Uh, yeah. Savory or dessert crepes? Oh, savory or dessert crepes. Um, uh, and when you say crepe, you're not talking about the committee to reelect the president. Of Richard Nixon, <laughs> that, obviously. Good point. I, I uh, forgot who I was talking to for a moment. No, we are talking yeah. about the uh, the food. I'll, I'll go with savory on that uh, um, right. because I'm not really sure what savory means. I know what salty and and um, sticky are, but savory is always good. Basically, a savory I'll, I'll crepe is the ones with the mushrooms and the cheese and that kind of stuff in them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'll go with that. Uh, TV show wise, Veep or House of Cards? Oh, oh, that's easy. Veep all the way. Veep, House of Cards. I thought was terrible, oh, okay. um, and I was bored by it. And but Veep, I thought for the first time really nailed it. Really got politics. Uh, not only this should being hilarious and just well written, but but really the insight they had into politics, as it really is, was. Beyond words, phenomenal. So that's an easy one for me. Veep all the way on that one. That backs up a thing I, I have heard from a lot of people who are in the know. Uh, that House of Cards, you would think Veep would be the cartoonish one because it's a comedy, but House of Cards is the more cartoonish depiction of things, uh, whereas Veep oh, yeah. hides some very real things behind its jokes. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, I always thought the House of Cards was like that, and West Wing were the same. Just one was really evil, and one was just soaringly, uh-huh. you know beautiful aspirational and neither one of those are correct so yeah gotcha, gotcha. the right one in that one dogs or cats i'm allergic to both thank you for asking oh yeah well there you go oh, um, not the first uh, both answer right. we'll get if you if you yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh, dogs or cats i would um i would say dogs uh because they seem to be always happy to see you and and you always i like their 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 uh, their um, tails wagging yeah. because that gives you an indication of their mood, and I just I like having that kind of uh, insight to another uh, another animal. I, as someone who has a dog watching him record right now, uh, <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say. That. <laughs> Although I grew up a cat person, so I, I can come down on both sides oh, okay. myself. Uh, Bob or Edith? <laughs> That's super. I totally love that. It's like asking hawk or dove. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a ridiculous. Question. Fox or hounds? Yeah. <laughs> Mac or Donald? Yeah, Mac or Donald. Yeah, I'll go with either. Just, either, just for um, yeah, yeah, diversity purposes. Yeah. She had to show second up in the name, so let's give her. Let's give her second. right. Exactly. Let's put her first in our hearts. <laughs> and finally, hot or cold? Oh gosh, uh, sweet or sour, hot or cold? Um, 
Hot cools down, cold never heats up, so let's go with hot because you get two temperatures out of that. Ah, excellent, excellent. Oh, Howard Mortman, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for spending time here uh, chatting with me today. Really enjoyed this. Thank you. This is so great. And uh, again, thank you on behalf of C-SPAN for recognizing us and getting us on your radar screen. And keep listening to the C-SPAN podcast, and we all and keep watching us on TV. And thank you for everything. And uh, folks, don't forget when rabbisblesscongress.com. If you're interested to, to find out more about Howard's book, go check that out as well. Anything else before we wrap up? Uh, no, you've done it all. As Howard Stern says at the end of every interview, you've done it all. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Howard. Uh, and thanks to our producers, Jen Cutter and Anthony Lemos. Thank you for listening to this show and telling your friends about it. You can get an ad-free version of this show with ACAST+. Plus. Click on Access Exclusive Content at awordpodcast.com. We'll have a word with you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.